welcome to this podcast series on neo-charismatic leadership with author, leadership expert and coach, Dr. Gada Angawi and executive leader, Martin Headley, where they will both explore the recently published book, Neo-Charismatic Leadership and the coaching topics it covers. So today, Gada, we're tackling the same stage, the search for opportunity, but from another role, and that is challenging the status quo. Now that means change, and change means fear of the unknown. Even those of us that get excited by change still have that fear. We just choose not to lead with it. So with the change, there is a sense of adventure, but then what does this role mean in relation to this stage, the search for opportunity? Yes, uh, leaders who lived that role told me the emotional charge is accompanied by a degree of anger and frustration with organizational situations, uh, context, culture. But they managed to channel these strong emotions towards positive transformation through having a moral and ethical goal to implement justice, fairness and equity. On the other hand, putting up with the emotional weight of not doing anything also is difficult and has its own challenges. It can kill creativity and promote resentment, sucking a leader's energy out. So there is something that needs to be done. And and they describe it as being propelling them forward. So they are very emotionally intelligent people. They know how to navigate their emotions and thoughts and turn the negative situations into positive through finding ways to make things happen. Yes, I I can definitely identify with these feelings myself and also with people who have been in those situations. When you look at change and the fact that you're leading a group of people to make whatever change you've decided upon, there are some people that are going to be excited by it and some people that are going to be a bit fearful. And clearly one of the first things as a leader is you've got to help people manage that fear. Now, it's interesting because we're currently going through the COVID pandemic that we're reading a lot about people that are really suffering because they can't change the way the pandemic is affecting their lives. You know, they're stuck at home. They have children at home. They're working from home. They can't do it all. This is not right. Okay. But the fact of the matter is it's not going to go away. And so people have got to recognize this. So One of the first things I think is, particularly for the leader, is to recognize that you can't always change the circumstances in which your group is in. Accept that and accept that with your team and then just let them express their fears and concerns. It's like, well, we don't even know what today is like and you now want us to change it. That's really scary. Okay. so the second thing I think is to go in there and don't fight the things that you can't change. Be intelligent enough to realize that you've got to adapt. And adaptability is now another set of experiences that need to be shared. So the first thing is get it, you know, getting over the fear. The next thing is to share that feeling of adaptability. You have to move forward no matter what. It's not really a choice. Okay. So what we need to do is we need to recognize uh, the risks ahead of time 
and as a team come up with the strategies that we're going to employ if those risks should actually occur. And then finally, flexibility again, because there are those risks that you just can't predict. And in every project I've ever been involved in, something comes up that you never expected. So, you know, you, you've got to be able to handle the risk. So, you know, when the challenge is taking you down a dangerous path, the emphasis on the leader being truly empathetic and building resilience within their team is not a nice to have. It is now just absolutely essential. You know, we have to remember that this role is not just a role of action, taking action and just impulsively reacting to a situation. Um, it is the third role in the search for opportunity. So the leader has been scanning the environment ever since they started uh, looking at the change and the transformation that needs to happen or dealing with a, with a crisis situation, they have been scanning the environment externally and internally. They have been sensing people's need and listening. And, and there is consultants on board or, or coaches or people working with them to come up with, with options and solutions. And, and when they reach that stage where they have uh, some kind of um, intuitiveness towards the right solution or the right option, um, wiseness comes in. They're not reacting out of emotional situations. They are actually acting. So challenging the status quo, it is actually implementing the right decision. The status quo usually does not predict that decision. They are fearful of its implementation and they are in the uncertainty of it. Hence, this decision is going to provoke emotional reactions in different groups in your organization. Different people will react differently. And no matter how much, as you said, you predict those reactions, something will come up. So you have to be ready to deal with it. You have to have a plan of how you're going to react to different reactions. You are actually disrupting the norms of uh, the workflow. You're disrupting individuals' norms of how they do the work. They have to learn new skills. They have to cope with it. And, you know, the example of COVID is really the best example to describe what's going on. Some organizations have dealt with it really well. They came up with plans, options, and trained people and, and, and you know, went through it and they're succeeding right now. And it all boils down to that leader at the strategic level who is able to push forward, find that option and, and challenge that status quo with, with their decision. Yes, Gada, you, you've um, discussed with this with me uh, separately and you've talked about the fact that sometimes making this change is irrational. Causing the status quo to change is irrational. And I really like that description because to many people, it may seem irrational. It might be, oh gosh, this is absolutely the wrong time to do that. Or no, I can't believe we need to change that much. It's not that bad. Mm. You get all kinds of responses to it. But as a leader, you have to realize that actually, if lots of irrational things work together in this world, and there is a rationality out of that group of irrational items. So um, there are patterns to irregularity. If you look in science, you find, you know, billions and billions of random activities, which because they're constantly going on, you can actually see order out of them. You can actually work out order. This is sort of what Einstein did. 
with his uh, theory of relativity. But so I'm thinking, oh my goodness, so I'm, I'm not Einstein. <laughs> I just need something that I can hold in my hand that helps me lead team A from here to there, right? So what I like to think of is it, it's like you're the conductor of a market. So if you imagine a small market town and people are bringing in things that they've made out of wood, they're bringing in things they've grown in the in the fields, they are bringing in um, handiworks and baskets and linens and all of the sort of things. And then everybody else is coming in because they need the other things, right? So what happens is you go into that market and nobody really knows what everybody wants to buy. So you come in with what you have to sell. Mm. You give it a price, right? And then what happens is you find out, oh, people really like this, so I can put the price up. Um, but people are asking for something else, and I don't have it. Mm. Okay, so the next the next week, people come back to the market, and they've got all kinds of different things, mm-hmm. and the prices have changed. Mm-hmm. And if you track every single item, it's it appears to be totally irrational. But the fact that everybody comes back to the market... Yeah is in fact a quite rational situation. And over time, that market is rational. Yeah. So as a leader, be confident that if I create an irrational statement to cause change and to cause people to have this sense of discomfort, and then I help them understand what they need to do to address the change, then it will still be an irrational statement, but people will start to rationalize activities out of it. And so over a period of time, you start to move forward because your market has become rational. And I, I think that's one of the easiest ways to understand yeah. what we're talking about here. People have the ability to adapt and concert, become concerted, to come together, to, to make things happen. They don't move towards these solutions unless they're pushed sometimes by putting them on the spot. Some people, they're very proactive. They even find the solutions before their leader asks them to. And others, they need to arrive to that edge where it's so uncomfortable that we need to change. What you're describing is the ability of people to come together. They will start talking. They will start figuring it out. Creativity will come in. It is not impossible, but there is always fear. And, and this is what we need to really address. Mm-hmm. The word challenge itself is, yes. provokes fear. and um, It's scary. It's scary. Mm-hmm. Some leaders have expressed that after they took that decision, and they were attacked by different groups of people, they said to me, there is nothing in the world that prepares you for that moment of confrontation where you have to deal with these angry people and the emotions they provoke in you. You have to trust that when you empathize again and again, over and over again, this is when when things start to happen. Yes, That's right. I think that um, this balance between action and wisdom here, you're you're explaining very well. And I can think back to um, a leader that was trying to do something very radical on a a program I was involved with. You know, that what happened was the, the oddly enough, the team came together because they had an emotional reaction to the negative emotional reactions of external stakeholders. 
So what happened was the group sort of coalesced around, oh, you know what? He was right or she was right. I really want to follow that path Mm. and look at everybody else saying it's terrible. Well, if they're all saying it's terrible, maybe it's actually pretty good, right? And you can you can use this, but of course, it depends on the situation. The reason that a really intelligent neocharismatic leisure recognizes that kind of a situation is when they do they simply try these kind of irrational statements and and literally see what happens test the reaction yeah after all it's just it's just a statement you can always retract it um you know i mean unless you're somebody very very senior in government or something like that you seems like you can (laughs) never retract anything but but generally speaking in in our everyday endeavors we can make a, a radical claim and if people really all think it's ridiculous then you can come back and say oh okay maybe it was ridiculous i was just trying to achieve this and let them come back so what i think the leader does there is they literally test for it they are testing both the internal and external stakeholders to see what the reaction would be if people on the outside don't like it is it because it's going to totally disrupt their world well if you're in a community type setting or a charity setting that's probably not something that you want to do on the other hand if you're in an organization and you're competing with those people that's probably exactly what you want to what do, you need to do? <laughs> right so again it, it, it's going to be um context sensitive of course but it is harnessing the emotions of those folks that are following you that enables you to achieve so by being radical by perhaps scaring people a little bit you know you then get the juices flowing and i think that's really important you're not coming up with this irrational statement out of total irrationality you have been studying this it sometimes it's a decision yes of course yes and it's it's a strategic decision and it saves the organization or saves the life of a community and people just don't see it and and sometimes you don't even have the time to go through sensing people's needs and you have to do assessing the environment and jump into challenging the status quo and then get into sensing people's needs. So these roles, the three roles in the first stage of, of uh, the search for opportunity sometimes are interchangeable. Uh, it depends on the context. It's important also to bear in mind that it is life-changing to everyone. Yes. So there is a lot of emotional involved. You have to be able to be managing these emotions. What what I'm thinking of in this situation is what typically happens in an organization where people are quite well paid and they have pretty stable jobs. Um, Not that many of us live in that kind of environment, but some do. And this is where it can become very dangerous because... You know, your feeling is, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm employed. I just have to fulfill the objectives of the organization. I'm still going to get a paycheck. Everything seems to be fine now. Why am I changing? Mm. And of course, in that situation, it's probably imperative for the leader to come up with something irrational because what will happen is if they truly believe that they're not paying attention to the competition and the march of technology and all of the other brilliant stuff that's going on around the world now, they will in maybe five to 10 years, possibly not have positions because nobody needs their job because the company's out of business. Um, that that's a sort of thing where, you know, it's like, as long as I'm doing my job, nobody can blame me. Well, 
in a way, I, no, I wouldn't blame you, but I probably would blame the leader for not showing you the reality of where that thinking is going to take you. So, you know, fear is some, sometimes needs to be used. So here's a major difference between an ordinary leader and a new charismatic leader is their consciousness. Does, does it allow them to sit and overlook the justice and equalities and, you know, whatever is going wrong in the situation, or they cannot do that? There's always a blurry line in, in these issues. And you can always say, no, you know, just let it go, leave it. I don't need to change anything right now. Maybe the next leader will do it. Maybe I'll just, you know, I have a few years to retirement. Why disrupt my, my, my career at this moment and, and risk my, my life and my, my, you know, personal uh, life as well? Because it could sometimes entail personal risks, like really you have to step down after you enforce some kind of a change, or maybe they are, you are told to leave, but you have done the work that needs to be done. So here's the thing. Altruistic leaders who are very ethical and operate by moral values, they have a clearer definition of what needs to be done. They are ready to sacrifice and they're ready to go the extra mile uh, to make this workplace a better place. They make a showcase out of it. They come to their higher leadership and talk to them about it. And they propose and they put a plan in place. Well, if it doesn't work, that's fine. They've done their part. But if it works, there's no uh, there's no harm then. And I've seen a lot of new charismatic leaders persevere and fight hard with all what they have to make transformation a success. Yes. So it is possible. It is. And I'm afraid we're running out of time on this really interesting subject because what we're really doing is talking strategic leadership today. But do tune in next week for where we're going to talk about how a role, what a role means for individuals in their own lives when it comes to challenging the status quo. So that'll be in the next episode. And remember, Dr. Angawi and myself work with individuals, teams and organizations to support them in making neo-charismatic leadership a reality. Uh, Dr. Angawi's book is also found on the website too. So until the next episode, uh, we'd love you to reflect on the topic of challenging the status quo based on what you've heard us say so far and think a little bit about your own status quo. Send us comments. We'll be happy to weave them into the new episodes. So Gada, thank you very much. And to our listeners, thank you, thank you and goodbye. Goodbye. Gada and Martin, hope you enjoyed this episode. There is more information available at neocharismaticleadership.org. And if you would like to discuss coaching or training for yourself or your team, you can contact Garda and Martin through the website. We look forward to your participation next week. Until then, goodbye.